and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season three, episode three, Faith, Hope, and Trick. Woohoo! I don't think I have any announcements this week. Wow. All right. So yes. we'll just we'll just get right into it. We can we can get into a couple of our favorite characters showing up in this episode. Yes, one of which I completely forgot about. Oh yeah, yeah. I always forget about Scott Hope till he shows up. I know, I know. Cause like I the last time I watched on the the my rewatch before, again, I had the exact same. I'm like, oh hi Fab. Like, oh, there you are. And again, when I watched it this weekend. Yeah. Same thing. Like what the heck is going on here? It's always a pleasant surprise. <laughs> he is a very pleasant surprise. His character is not always. No. Fab himself is always a very pleasant I surprise. Always, and I'm always like, I always forget where the hope part comes from for this title. <laughs> yes. Which we are, we are going to talk about that in just a second. <laughs> So, Faith, Hope, and Trick, it aired October 13th, 1998, and our synopsis is Buffy and a slayer named Faith take on Mr. Trick, a vamp with a fatal plan for the ladies. No. No. But, but, but good, good try. Not, not the worst. Not, not the, the worst. worst. And I mean, Mr. Mr. Trick's involved, but it's, yes. it's not really, hit. like, this would be a better description for Homecoming. Yes. Yes. Homecoming. Yes. Because at this point, it's just one of them that they're focusing on. Yeah. And and Trick, it's not even really Trick's plan, which we'll no. get to because Trick thinks this is a stupid plan. Yes. But okay, whatever. It 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 mentions faith and trick, so we're good. And you know what? Knowing that this episode was ri- written by our old friend David Greenwalt. Oh, David Greenwalt. Ah, uh, yeah. Whew. Uh, but the episode of this title, of course, uh, does refer to the three new characters introduced: Faith Lehane, Scott Hope. And Mr. Trick. And speaking of titles, do we have any international titles for We do have a few. Um, in French, we have The New Little Sister. Interesting. German is New Friends, New Foes. I like that one. Italian, The Spell. That makes no sense. No. And Portuguese is very straightforward. Faith Arrives in Sunnydale. I think I like the the new friends. New friends, wise. new foes is also good considering where we're going by the end of the season with Faith. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that's. I my like favorite. that one. Yeah, but yeah, I like. I also like the how straightforward Faith arrives in Sunnydale. I do. I do, can appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Straight and to the point. But yeah, most of them were were some variation of Faith, Hope, and Trick. So we don't get a previously on. Instead, we go right to Sunnydale High, where Willow is standing at the very edge of the sidewalk. I love how this scene starts out where it's just her feet mm-hmm. and it pans up. It's just it's such a great it's just a great shot. I just like everything about this like first moment. Yes. Because she's telling Oz about how she's giddy. Because now they're seniors. They can go off campus for lunch. It's not skipping anymore. Oh, no. It's legal. Expected, even. And it's a big step forward. A senior moment. One that needs to be savored. You can't just rush into it. And so this whole time, Oz is like, (laughs) oh, this is very cute. Just waiting for Xander and Cordelia to arrive. (laughs) Yes. Because the moment Xander arrives, Oz and Xander kind of look at each other. And then Xander, along with Oz, lifts her up off the curb and carries her across the street. It's so cute. And it's it's one of those moments where like I love it so much and I hate what's going to happen later on in the series because it really does ruin these moments. It does. It does. It's I love like I just and I love I just love the way Xander and Oz look at each other like they they yes like I don't know that they planned that, but they oh, I, th- know. I think it was planned or I think it was a discussion. Yeah, because they knew they knew Willow it was, was never, never going to yeah. make that step. No, and no. it's evident by the giant freak out she has. And I love and I love Cordy. Yes, this, she's even amused by it, too. And once again, she is looking like Southern California. Ugh. Yeah. No, she looks like she's about to be someone's second wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she's ready. What if they changed the rule and didn't tell them? <laughs> what if the administration is laying in wait to bust them and she gets detention and it mars her perfect record? Setting her down, they show her that none of these things have happened. <laughs> okay. She starts to relax. This is, this is nice. She can do this because they're seniors. 
In the small park, though, I think it's more of like a square. Yeah, yeah. Across the way, Buffy sets out a picnic for the group. Willow suggests that maybe they should refrain from being too coupley around Buffy. Why? Because the only guy who ever liked her turned into a soulless killing machine and had to be put down like a dog? <laughs> oh, Cordy. As Cordelia finishes, Xander says that no one can boil down complex issues quite like her. <laughs> They uncouple and join Buffy, who has whipped up some very fancy-looking charcuterie plates for their lunch. And I say this as someone who enjoys making very fancy-looking charcuterie plates. Buffy looks like somebody's first wife. Yes. Cordelia asks when she became Martha Stewart, which causes Buffy to say that Martha Stewart knows Jack about hand-cut prosciutto. (laughs) Yeah, Xander adds, and she doesn't slay either. Well... Oz has heard that she can. She just doesn't like to. Martha slays in different ways. Yeah, she does. And she's friends with Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the strangest friendship in the history of friendships. And I love I love the fact that only one of them has been to jail. Yes, and it's, and not, it's not the not one, the one you, you think. think. <laughs> Buffy also points out that she has way too much free time on her hands ever since she got kicked out of school. Willow says she knows they'll let her back in. And Xander asks if they have a meeting with Snyder. Buffy says they see the snide man, which has a nice double meaning there, mm-hmm. tomorrow. That's when Willow points out Scott Hope. He likes Buffy. He wanted to ask her out last year, but she wasn't ready then. She's ready now, though, or at least in that state of pre-readiness where she can do that thing with her mouth that boys like. No, no, not that <laughs> thing. The other. The half smile, and Oz is supposed to stop her when she does that. Oz shakes his head no. He loves when she does that. So, okay. So Willow brings up the thing with her mouth that boys like. And Buffy looks horrified that Willow said something. (laughs) Is this to mean we think? No, but it can't because he went evil right when. Yeah, that no. I was going to be like, has Buffy killed angel blowjobs? But then I was like, no, because there's no way. So, okay. She was just horrified Willow said something at all. Yeah, yeah. It was was more, yeah. Yeah, it was more that sweet and innocent Willow had that double entendre. Okay. I was like, not that, you know, if she had whatever, but I was just like, wait a minute. Was that that? And then I was like, no, wait, it couldn't have been. Because there's no, there was no no way. There was no time. And when you're on your first time, that is not the time to be experimenting with that. No, no. That's no. Scott, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is probably going to be one of those kind of episodes. Sorry, people. Maybe, maybe in a, maybe if this was on HBO or something. Maybe. Maybe. So (laughs) when we get our like HBO Max reboot. Yeah, we'll, we'll Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer of Euphoria edition or something. <laughs> Scott walks by with a hey, Buffy, and Buffy offers him a hey in return. Willow thinks it went very well. Didn't it seem to go well? He didn't try to slit their throats, so Cordelia would call it a win. Willow asks Buffy if she did the half smile thing, and Buffy says she's not trying to land Scott Hope. She just wants her life back, wants to do normal stuff. Like, date? Well, Xander says she wants to date. He saw that half smile. (laughs) We won't mention what else Xander said, because in the 90s, we played fast and loose with some words. Yes, yes, we did. Uh, Words that are demeaning to women, and even more so than teenage boys saying them, were often weaponized by teenage girls and used to bring one another down. Yeah. So, no, we won't be repeating that particular word. Yeah, it is. It is always. It's it's very jarring sometimes when you rewatch stuff that took place in the 90s again like you said they play very fast and loose with certain words and i mean i know in the 90s i probably said it i probably said it about other girls but now like looking back i'm like oh yeah we yeah we were not our best selves sometimes no no we we definitely were not our best selves in the 90s Buffy admits that, okay, yes, she wants to date. Date and shop and go to school and study and hang out with her friends and save the world from unspeakable dangers. You know, girly stuff. (laughs) I love this. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's a throwaway line. I know it's mostly meant to be a joke. But the fact that Buffy includes saving the world from unspeakable dangers as girly stuff makes me deliriously happy. I know. And, And every time, every time I think about that, and again, like it, it, it is also her being funny because she does do that a lot. She does yeah. throw in her saving the world and slaying vampires. She 
includes that with real world normal stuff all the time. But I love it. And I love how and especially coming off of when her her coming back and basically finding herself again and figuring out who she is and what she needs to do and that it is part of her life that she does include it there. It, it's perfect. It's a, it's a, it's just a really good line. It's a really good line. And, it, and it's not just Buffy and it's not just Buffy finding herself. My reason, the reason it makes me so happy is that saving the world can be girly. Exactly. And you can be girly and save the world. And, it, and, and I know we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's one of the many reasons we love Buffy. She wears cute pastel dresses and still like drives a stiletto into someone's oh, and neck. And I love like, and I love the moments where she is like, where she is looking cute and fighting. And yeah. it's one of the things that was great about the movie. Yes. You know, when when she goes to the prom and she looks fantastic and then she's fighting and yes. she doesn't worry about what's going to happen. She's just she looks good and she can fight. Yeah, because so many times when action franchises are female led, the female is written as not like other girls. Mm-hmm. She's a hard ass. She doesn't have time for silly things like boys or makeup and often looks down on girls who do. Yep. And that's not what we're doing here. Yep. And this was this was what who I'm going to make a lot of people mad right now, but I'm going to do it. Oh, yes, do it. This was one of my biggest complaints about MCU fans. Yes. Because the moment Natasha showed romantic interest in someone, yep. the moment she had any kind of softness to her, fans cried foul. Yep. Because how dare the female superhero want romance? How yep. dare she enjoy things like being an aunt to her best friend's kids? Yep. And I'm just like, so thank you, Buffy. Thank you for reminding the world that you can be girly and like sparkly lip gloss and still kick someone's ass. I was wondering when you messaged me that you didn't expect to have a rant about Natasha in this week's episode. I was wondering where Where it was was becoming. I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, where can we possibly? But no, that's perfect. And see, that's always one of the things that I loved about Peggy. Yeah. You know, she is... She did everything the Howling Commandos did backwards and in heels. And in heels and with the most fabulous lipstick. Yeah, which we both own. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. Because of course we do. But yeah, like you can be everything. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one category. Yeah. And and I like that Buffy has always shown that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, we're going to we're going to like anytime a male character has a love interest and is the hero, it's romantic. Of course. And we're not saying that the female female characters, female fighters that they need a love interest, they don't. But if they want to. Yeah. Let them have it. If you don't want to have love, fine. If you want to have love, fine. Just let people be well-rounded if they want. Yes. Yes. In whatever way makes you well-rounded. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be a male love interest. It can be it a female not. love interest. Doesn't. Yeah. Because let's face it, some of us who are also <laughs> into men are ready to give up on men. Whew. No, no, Mr. Froggy. I am not giving up on you. <laughs> Bye, Kevin. I love you. <laughs> I know you're going to be listening to this. <laughs> oh, like we said, that kind of episode. If I need to get myself back out there. <laughs> oh, we're, we're real professional today. I, this is... Scott Hope, by the way, uh, is played by Fab Filippo, which is why you heard us say Fab earlier. Uh, which that is an amazing name. Oh yeah, and it's it's his his full it's Fabrizio. Oh, okay, so it is Fabrizio. It is Fabrizio. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's perfect for an actor because who's going to forget that name? I know. I know. Uh, he's an actor and he's a director and he's done several things. But the part that I always think of yep. him as, except because mm-hmm. it's never Scott because he always it's surprises me. No, is Ethan on Queer as Folk? Yes, and then I'm like fucking Ethan. Oh. Fucking Ethan. It's nothing noble about being poor. Oh, but, oh, but he was so good. Like, oh, he was, I mean, whole, he was perfect in that role. Oh, that whole role was just, he was so pretty with the hair and the violin. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I just get upset that he, he got between Justin and Brian. I know. I know. Speaking of just as a uh, as a side note, since we're talking about Queer as Folk in the one of the last seasons of Criminal Minds, this guy shows up and I'm looking at him and he has this beard and he has these glasses and he's wearing this suit 
and he's a professor. And I'm like, you look familiar. Why do you Is look it familiar? It's Gail. Ah, I love him. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, no matter how much you try to daddy Gail up. Yeah, he's always going to look like Brian Kinney. I just see like I can see through it. I it, It's like it looks like Brian Kinney is wearing a disguise. <laughs> like, I don't know what Brian was trying to do. Oh, I love it. I but love it. it just it there was something about it that just didn't seem right. It did not fit. Oh, oh Brian. <laughs> The scene changes to that night and the Happy Burger, which sadly we will never see again. Maybe Double Meat Palace friends them out of business. You know what? That that drive through microphone thing with the the kid thing holding the burger, that is the creepiest. That I have that. Thing. I have that in my notes. I have that the mascot's going to come alive and eat my soul. Okay, I'm glad we're both on the same. Because it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, it was... It was scary. I'm kind of glad that we never... We never see it again. We never see it again. No, because that that was... No. A limo pulls into the parking lot and over to the drive-thru. The kid working the drive-thru asks for their order and Mr. Trick! Yay! Yay! Orders a diet soda. Medium. He doesn't even bother listening to the cost as he rolls up his window and drives around. While he waits, Trick begins talking to his companion, who for the moment remains in the shadows. He likes Sunnydale... It's quaint. And the people, they call him sir. Gotta love that. <laughs> Miss it too. And yes, sure, there's not a whole lot of diversity to town. <laughs> but he ran the statistics and hello darkness. Compared to this town, DC is Mayberry. Huh. Huh. That's that's a very... That's a... Because I'm pretty sure there's a whole host of demons in Congress. So that's a, that's <laughs> no, a big I think, claim there. You know what? I don't think there's demons in Congress. I think there's a lot of people who made deals with demons in Congress. There you go. That's that's more of a likely. But that would still mean there's a lot of demons lurking around. Yeah, DC. yeah. So like this is a big claim. Yeah. I mean, I mean DC we're not doesn't have the hell mouth. mouth. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we're not an active hell mouth. So. Yeah. And the best part? No one seems to notice or say boo about it. They could fit in here. Have some fun. His companion growls and says they're here for one thing. We see then his hand, which is cloven like that of a goat or a pig. Trick knows kill the slayer. He's just saying, big picture. Paying for his soda, Trick listens as his companion continues saying he's going to rip the slayer's heart out and suck the marrow from her bones. Well, now he's hungry. Okay, calm down. Reaching back through the window, he grabs the poor happy burger worker and pulls Aww. him into the limo. His legs sticking out <laughs> as they drive off. That's such a great moment. I, I love it. Like, I love the moment. I feel so bad for this poor underpaid guy. Like, just trying to make a buck. And here comes Mr. Trick. So Mr. Trick is played by K. Todd Freeman, who has done shows like A Different World, Ghost Rider, NYPD Blue, and movies such as Gross Point Blank. I think most recently people would recognize him as being Arthur Poe on the Netflix version yep. of A Series of Unfortunate Events. Yep. When I watched it, I was very excited and I screamed Mr. Trick very loudly. I know. I need to finish uh, watching that. Probably rewatch it at this yeah, point. Yeah. I don't even remember where I gave up. K. Todd Freeman was also one of the frontrunners for Spike. And I think the choice eventually came down to him or James Marsters. Oh, that would have been a very, very different Spike. I know. I'm kind of intrigued. I know. Credits. Even more awesome. Even more awesome. After the credits, we're taken to a fairly subdued and empty bronze, where Buffy dances with Angel while the rest of the Scoobies watch, all gathered at a nearby table. As they dance, Buffy moves her hand to entwine with his, saying she misses him. Her ring falls off, clattering to the ground, and Buffy looks horrified. Angel begins to pick it up for her, and as he does so, she's struck with the memory of stabbing him, of his getting sucked into the portal. She tells him she had to, and he curls his fingers tight around the clotta, blood beginning to ooze. He loved her. The blood then begins to spread across his chest in the spot where she stabbed him. She goes to touch it, but he snaps at her to go to hell. His face turns into that of a rotting corpse and he says, he did. Ugh. Buffy then wakes up. Because like the beach, this was a small child nightclub of lies. And <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sitting up, she opens the drawer in her nightstand and pulls out the ring, which she has threaded onto a chain. You do know how to make and take a scene that was just so heart wrenching and <laughs> lighten it up. That's what I do. Yep. I appreciate it. For a moment, she just sits there staring until Joyce knocks, asking if she's ready to face the beast. Oh. Snyder's office. 
where the impotent little rodent man is laying out the condition of Buffy's re-enrollment. One, she has to pass a makeup test for every class she skipped on last year. Two, she has to produce, in writing, a glowing recommendation from a member of the staff, one that is not an English librarian. (laughs) Three, she must undergo an interview with the school psychologist to show that her violent tendencies are under control. All during this conversation, Buffy's been playing with a letter opener, fiddling with it as people tend to do when nervous. As he talks about the third condition, Snyder comes over and takes the letter opener from her. Apparently, he's not too keen on her having pointy objects. (laughs) Joyce isn't sure she likes Snyder's attitude. She spoke to the school board and they said he has a responsibility to educate every juvenile not in jail. He knows the spiel. Welcome back. Standing, Buffy smirks. So she's back in school because the school board overruled him. Wow. That's like having his whole ability to do this job called into question. Joyce is so proud. (laughs) I love Joyce. You can just see her face behind Buffy and she's very much enjoying this. In fact, as she gets up, she tells Snyder that what she thinks Buffy's trying to say is, they leave and Snyder's secretary lets him know the mayor is on line one. (laughs) Oh, hit the look of horror. Yes, Snyder is not destined to have a good day. No, no. His day is just going to get worse. Entering the library, Willow tells Buffy that it's so great she's a schoolgirl again. Buffy responds by asking if Willow knows what Giles wants. Did he say? Is he mad? She doesn't think so. She just thinks he wanted to see her. But has Buffy ever noticed that when he is mad and he's too English to say, that he does that cluck cluck thing with his tongue? Giles pops up from behind the counter and Buffy greets him with a hi, Giles, (laughs) before Willow can say anything else. Giles! Been there long? Turning to Buffy, Giles says it's good she's there. She remembers the demon Akathla. Now, now, Giles must contain himself. She knows it's thrilling that she's back, but it embarrasses her when he gushes. Let's just forget all that and get straight to work. Giles, flustered, said, of course he's glad she's back. (laughs) It goes without saying. She's enjoying making him say it, though, doesn't she? With a smile, Buffy turns to the assembled witchy items on the desk. Akathla, huh? So what are they doing? Making him demon pizza? Giles says they need to make sure he remains dormant and that the interdimensional seal is sealed tight. It's a binding spell of sorts. A spell? Willow asks if she can help and Giles tells her, possibly, with the research. Willow starts to get insulted, but Giles continues. It's all very specific and difficult. One has to draw a series of, well, he doesn't want to bore them. (laughs) There's apparently a litany and Aramic and it's all very exact, so he just needs to make sure he has the details down. Fire away. Giles surmises the time was about 6.15, a half hour or so after he and Xander left. Less, she'd say more like 10 minutes. And was the vortex already open? Barely. And Angel. Big fight. He got the pointy end of the sword and a Catholic sucked him into hell instead of the world. That's about the it. Making some notes, he tells her that should be very helpful. Glancing at her watch, Buffy says she has to go take a makeup English exam. They give you points just for speaking it, right? (laughs) As Willow and Giles look at her, she hurries out and Willow picks up the sage. She loves the smell of sage. And Marnox fruit. That mixed with a virgin saliva does something that Willow knows nothing about. (laughs) In full-on dad mode, Giles tells Willow that those forces are not something to be trifled with. What has she been conjuring? Nothing much. (laughs) She tried the spell to cure Angel, and that was a bust. But since then, small stuff. Floating feather, fire out of ice, which next time she won't do on the bedspread. Is he mad at her? Of course not. If he were, he'd be making a strange clucking noise with his tongue. (laughs) Realizing she's busted, Willow gives him a sheepish and apologetic smile. I love Dad Giles. I love Dad Giles so much. He loves all of his children. He does. The bronze. Darling Violetta plays as kids dance and roam about. Fun fact, Darling Violetta will later write and perform the theme song for Angel. Yep. Among the dancers are Xander and Cordy, whose hair is crimped and super cute. I miss crimped hair. (laughs) And Faith. Only we don't know that yet. No, we don't know who that is. Buffy is a roamer bringing drinks back to the corner where Willow and Oz sit making out, telling them not to let her interrupt. She hands the pair of drinks as she takes a seat. Willow notices that she's kind of glowy. She passed her English exam and she's hanging out with her friends. Hello, life. How she's missed it. Before anything else can be said, Scott comes over and Willow acts totally surprised to see him. (laughs) Whatever is he doing there? Scott, however, totally blows up Willow's spot. By admitting Willow told him if he came after eight, he could run into Buffy. He's a bad liar. He is so bad. It's not good for the soul. No. Or the skin, actually. It makes him blush. (laughs) 
Buffy listens as he talks. And could it be? Does she kind of find his rambling adorable? He asks if she likes the song and she says she does. Would she like to dance? That sends out Buffy's defenses. Listening to the cute boy rambling is one thing, but dancing with him, that leads towards the path of getting involved. And Buffy, she's not sure she's ready to get involved. She stumbles and stutters a bit, but Scott says, it's okay. He's just going to go over, hang out by the dance floor. And if she wants to dance, she can find him. Mosey on over. (laughs) Not no harm, no foul. Okay? Just dance with the cute boy, Buffy. Okay. He leaves and Willow wants to know why she isn't going for him. He's charming. And normal, which she said she wanted to get back to. Plus, according to Oz, he gets bonus points for using the word mosey. Buffy's just not ready. What is she waiting for? Before she can answer, Cordelia and Xander return, drawing their attention to Faith and Disco Dave. (laughs) Cordelia using the same word from earlier that we're not going to repeat. Nope. She goes on to ask if he's danced to anything since Casey and the Sunshine Band. For a moment, Buffy watches them, watches his outdated moves, watches him and Faith leave the floor and head towards the door. Yeah, she doesn't think he thrives on sunshine. I do like I do like his ridiculous disco moves while Faith is yes. getting all up in his space. Getting up, she goes to investigate. Unfortunately, Scott interprets that as her coming to find him. He soon realizes his mistake, and it's clear both he and Buffy feel really bad about the mix-up. She assures him it's her fault, really, before telling him that she has to go. So Casey and the Sunshine Band was an American disco funk band founded in Florida in 1973. Their most famous song is Shake Your Booty. She heads outside, the rest of the gang close behind. But she doesn't see them. Where did they go? Cordelia says she's sure she's fine, that they're just making out. But the sound of a struggle soon reaches them, and well, it doesn't sound like making out. Xander hands Buffy a stake, and off they go. Where was the stake hiding? I was trying to figure that out. Because, yeah, like, normally, like, she would have a purse, she would have a bag or something that has the stake in it. Like, did he just, I'm imagining he had it like tucked in the waistband of his pants. I mean, he probably did because we didn't see him sit down. No, like, so he probably had it like hiding back there with his shirt covering it. I would have liked to have seen a actual like seeing him pull it from. Yeah. <sighs> But I, I also like the implication that everybody else now, because of the summer that they spent, they just everybody is traveling with weapons. I do. I do like that. Disco Dave seems to have Faith up against a fence, but as he goes in for the bite, she hits him, launching into fight mode. Not exactly what Buffy was expecting to find. Faith assures them she's got it, identifying Buffy and introducing herself before bashing the guy into the fence he just pushed her into. As she borrows Buffy's stake, Oz remarks there seems to be a new slayer in town. (laughs) Faith then stakes the guy and hands the weapon back to Buffy with a thanks, B. Couldn't have done it without you. Huh? Buffy's so, <laughs> Buffy's so confused. I love I love everybody just standing there. So, Faith, <laughs> played by Eliza Dushko. She's done quite a few things. Uh, True Lies, when she was only about 13 or 14. I always, yeah, I always forget that she was in that. Then Buffy, Angel, Dollhouse, True Calling, Bring It On, Jane Silent Bob, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, most recently, it looks like she was on the series Banshee, and she was the voice of She-Hulk in Hulk in the Agents of Smash. Oh, very cool. Back inside, the group has moved closer to the bakery slash coffee counter. The weirdness of this club. Right? As Faith tells them stories from her first few months of being a slayer. I think that's the part I always forget when Faith is telling these stories. She's only been the slayer since May. Mm-hmm. The story she's telling right now involves a heat wave, a <laughs> church bus, some vampires, and a preacher hugging her naked form. It ends with jail. Jail for both her and the preacher. <laughs> That's true. For both her and the preacher. Xander loves this tale. He thinks it should be filmed and shown every Christmas. It's another phrase I use constantly. Yeah. They should show this every Christmas. And I love I love Cordy sitting there disgusted. Oh, yeah. While Faith has been talking, a waitress that says, when does the broads have waitresses? Since we all need to be sitting at the area and don't want to get up to get drinks. That's fair. Has arrived with muffins. Faith grabs one and starts tearing pieces off, saying she could eat a horse. Isn't it funny how slain always makes you hungry and horny? All eyes turn to Buffy as she says, <laughs> sometimes she craves a non-fat yogurt afterwards. <laughs> Cordelia gets it. Not the horny thing, but the slayer thing. Buffy was called. She temporarily died. So Kendra was called. And then when Kendra died, Faith was called. Cordelia is so proud of herself I, for remembering I, I all that. I am very proud of Cordy. I'm, I'm so proud of her for actually being the one to bring that up. 
Yeah, good job, Cordy. We we give you points. What Willow doesn't get, though, is why was Faith called here? Oh, she wasn't. Her watcher is off at some retreat in England, and so she skipped out. Figured it was her chance to meet the infamous buff and compare notes. Did she really use a rocket launcher once? She did, yeah. It's a pretty funny story. However, before she can say anything, Xander asks Faith about the alligators. Because she said something about alligators. Right, okay. So there's this big daddy vamp in Missouri. Kept them as pets. And he had a wrestling one. Xander asks if this was also naked. And Faith says the alligator was. (laughs) That's when Cordy scolds him, telling him to find a new theme. (laughs) I too like how Faith is asking... Buffy questions. Yeah. But her friends are trying to get stuff out of Faith. Yeah. Faith said she's never had more trouble than she did with that vamp. But what about Buffy? What was her toughest kill? Once again, she flashes back to Angel before shaking it off. They're all difficult. But uh, remember the three? No, no, they never met the three. Um, Oz gently interrupts wanting to know. They both <laughs> kill vamps. But what's Faith's position on werewolves? Willow explains that Oz is a werewolf. As Buffy says, it's kind of a long story. Oz tells Faith he got bit. Okay, not that long. Faith says as long as he doesn't go scratching at her or humping her leg, they're five by five. Fair enough. The vamps, though, they better get their asses to DEFCON 1. Because she and Buffy, they're going to have fun. Watcherless and fancy free. (laughs) Watcherless? Didn't hers go to England, too? That takes us to the library, where Giles informs us that there is a Watcher's Retreat every year in the Cotswolds. Lovely spot. Very serene. Fun fact, <laughs> I have actually been to the Cotswolds. And yes, I would like they are very go gorgeous. They're so pretty. I'm very jealous. I am Giles in this moment. You are Giles in this moment. Yes. <laughs> There's horseback riding, hiking, hunting, lectures and discussions. It's a great honor to be invited. Or so he's been told. Okay, this bothers me every time. Yep. Why was Giles not invited? As the watcher to the active slayer, as the watcher on the hellmouth, he would be the damn keynote speaker. So my theory from my last rewatch of the show is I feel like a lot of it is leading up to what we're going to see later on in the series with them talking about how he's too attached to his slayer. So I feel like some of it might be that like this year they this year they might be uh discussing giles behind his back hasn't he been involved in the past like he makes it seem like he's never gone i don't know and that makes no sense to me just let it go i mean it, it all could come down to travers and the fact that i think we find out in tales of the vampires one of the comics that's like a bunch of short stories you kind of find out that like the giles and the travers family have not liked each other for a very long yeah yeah with travers being the current head it could come down to that but i'm always like i feel like he would have been invited but okay yeah faith says it's boring and too stuffy for a guy like giles (laughs) does buffy need to introduce them again oh no she's seen them (laughs) if she knew they came that young and cute she would have requested a transfer (laughs) Xander raises his hand. Giles says that his youth and beauty aside, it is rather fortuitous that Faith came when she did. I mean, obviously y'all know we are we're on Faith's side here. Yeah, yeah. Faith recognizes that that Giles is a very handsome man. Aha! Willow nods and they all look at her. She's not sure what exactly the aha is for, but aha! There's a big evil brewing. She tells Faith she'll never be bored here. Cause Sunnydale, home of the big brewing evil. Giles isn't sure how big an evil this particular thing is, but two people have disappeared. Buffy says she's good for patrolling, but later. She promised her mom she'd be home for dinner. Okay, but people disappear all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is not a big deal, but okay. Xander and Willow give her a pointed look, and she extends an invite to Faith. Awesome. Dying to meet the fam. Great. They'll do dinner and then go patrolling together. Willow reminds Buffy that she has a science makeup test in a bit, and Buffy starts to ask Willow to help her. But Willow and Xander immediately turn their attention to Faith, saying she can hang out with them while Buffy does the whole testing thing. Xander tells her to bring her stories. They leave, and Faith goes to follow, telling Giles the two of them will talk weapons later. Buffy says, great. She'll just stay in the library. She takes a seat, and Giles comes over. The new girl certainly has a lot of zest. 
<laughs> Buffy gives him a look and he switches directions. He's having a bit of trouble with the binding spell. It needs some more details. Akafla. He was facing south. Buffy nods and starts marking locations on the table. Akafla, angel, her sword. Giles says that's what he thought, but Buffy cuts him off. She has makeup tests to take, missing people to investigate, and a zesty new slayer to feed. The next time she kills Angel, she'll video it. Out in the hall, Willow and Xander are giving Faith the tour. Kind of like lie to me, this whole thing just gave me an oh, the 90s moment. When your friends from out of town or other schools could just wander yeah. in yeah. and no one thought anything of it. Yeah, it was, it was again, another moment of, oh, right. Right. Back in the 90s, you could just bring your friend into school, give him a tour, and nobody would think anything of it. No. Also, I love how their tour is mostly places they've almost died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Xander says they say you don't learn anything in high school, but he's learned to be afraid. Faye thinks they're a hoot and a half. If she had friends like them in high school, well, she probably would have still dropped out. But she would have <laughs> been sad about it. All right. Can we... Let's take a moment and talk about the great mystery slash fandom debate. That is, who is older, Faith or Buffy? Yeah, I... Because this conversation definitely makes Faith seem like she's beyond high school years. Yeah, like, I always got the feeling that Faith was at least a couple years older than Buffy. Right. And throughout the series, we'll go between referring to Faith as little sis and big sis, like... In graduation day where she tells Buffy all dressed up in big sister's clothes. Mm-hmm. I tried to Google it and the main Google screen does give a birthday of December 1980. But when you went into any of the actual like wiki or Wikipedia things, I couldn't find that information anywhere in there. So I don't know where they're getting that from. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll throw up a poll on our social media channels this week and see what everybody <laughs> thinks. See what people, that, that has see always what people confused think. me. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah, it it never really like it does always seem like Faith is older and more experienced in the world. But that also could be like her upbringing because we know we get glimpses of it here, but we know mostly from Go Ask Malice. Yeah. The novel that Faith had a crappy ass childhood. Yeah. Like her dad was an alcoholic indebted to the mob and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Faith's Faith's attitude toward everything definitely does lead to the idea that she had a really crappy childhood. Yeah. Great mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Never to be solved. Faith then asks what's going on with Buffy. She seems wound a little tight, like she needs to find the fun. Willow starts to explain, but Faith notices the water fountain. Xander makes a promise that after she gets water, she'll tell the alligator story again. She's got (laughs) something. What is it with him and Slayers? Coming up behind them, Cordelia gives him a look. Maybe she should dress up as one and put a stake to his throat. He prays that is not sarcasm. (laughs) Coming out of one of the classrooms, Scott bumps into Faith. (sighs) She apologizes and says she feels she knows him from somewhere. Yeah, the bronze. She's friends with Buffy, right? Faith. They start talking and Buffy comes down the steps, pleased to be done with another makeup exam. But no one is paying attention to her. They're all watching Faith, who is talking to Scott. Willow says maybe the two of them will hit it off. She's never seen Scott laugh like that. Then realizing what she said, she adds, uh, if Buffy is done with him. Not that she used him. (laughs) Buffy hadn't decided. It's not a decision they can enter into lightly. There are repercussions to consider. And what? Why are they looking at her? Willow tells her that she really does need to find the fun, B. Buffy? Buffy? (laughs) Okay, that's it. Buffy's had enough. Going over to Faith and Scott, she says, hello, before pulling Faith away. They gotta go. As they walk away, Faith asks if he's seen anyone. And so we go back to Mr. Trick. Our demon friend is asking for an update. And so Trick tells him how he has revolutionized the operation. Gone global. They can stay local, but thanks to his work, if he gets a hankering for a 15-year-old from the Philippines, well, he can have her on a plane within an hour. The only blood the demon wants is that of the Slayer. Yeah, about that. Trick has good news and bad news. Mostly bad. See, this town already had a Slayer, (laughs) which means there's now two. He doesn't care if there are a hundred slayers. He'll kill them all. He wants revenge for what Faith did to him. All right, all right. Trick says they'll run a computer search of every hotel, motel, and boarding house in town. And once dark comes, they'll hit the streets in force. But right now, he pulls on a thick rubber glove and goes to open the door, dragging a pizza boy inside. (laughs) Food's here. The hideout they're in is the same interior that is used for the Ghostbusters firehouse. Oh, that's cool. I love that. I love how modern Mr. Trick is. Right? Mr. Trick, he sees the big picture. Yeah, he he is... I, I always like vampires who 
have adapted. I would have liked to have seen Trick and Spike meet at some point. That would have been Spike fun. Spike is also a very like you got to move with the times yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, like he has his he has his like Spike does has his have his things that he's stuck on, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, he's all about and that's one reason why when when Spike first came in and one of the first things he did was take care of the annoying one. Yeah, because Spike was all about, okay, we're doing things differently. Yeah, it didn't work for the master. So we're going to we're going to do something else. Yeah, time to change things up a bit. Yeah. At Buffy's, Faith joins her and Joyce for dinner. So Faith is a slayer, too. How fascinating. Does she like it? Loves it. Huh. Joyce never hears Buffy talk about it that way. What does she love about it? Well, when she's fighting, it's like the whole world goes away. Everything disappears except the knowledge that she's going to win and they're going to lose. It's a great feeling. Yeah, Buffy counters. Much better than the dead feeling you get when they win. Faith doesn't let that kind of negative thinking in. Yes. Yes, because it could get you hurt. Joyce says Buffy can be awfully negative sometimes. (laughs) She's got to fight that. Oh, poor Buffy. Buffy assures her she's trying. Joyce asks if she can get Faith another soft drink and heads into the kitchen. Faith thinks Joyce is the coolest. And Buffy agrees. Best mom ever. She then follows her mom into the kitchen. Joyce likes this girl. Yeah, she's very personable. Gets along with everyone. Her friends, her watcher, her mom. Oh, look, now she's getting along with her fries. As Faith is stealing fries off Buffy's plate. A little odd, considering there's like a communal plate of them in the middle of the table. And Faith <laughs> I know. Reach over that to get to, but whatever, whatever. It is a great, it is a great thing though about that it looks like Faith is stealing Buffy's life. Yeah. So it just, it just works that I don't want the fries that are in the middle of the table. I am going to go out of my way to take fries from somebody else. I mean, food always does taste better when it belongs to someone else. Yes, it does. Buffy says she was even making eyes at Buffy's not boyfriend. It's creepy. Does anyone else think Faith is creepy? No, but she's the one getting single white female. Joyce says it was probably good Buffy was an only child. <laughs> right? We all know it's coming and we start laughing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Buffy tells her she just got her life back. She's not looking to go halfsies. Well, there are some things Joyce wouldn't mind Buffy sharing. Like the slaying. With two of them, it's bound to be safer, right? Yeah, it is. And well, she heard Faith. She loves the slaying. Maybe she could take over. Buffy tells her it doesn't work that way. Why not? Buffy will be going to college next year. And Faith? Buffy tells her mom the only way you get a new slayer is if the old one dies. But that means Buffy died? When did she die? (laughs) Why wasn't she told? It it was only for a few minutes. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Joyce hates this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hates everything about Buffy's life. She knows Buffy didn't choose it. Knows the mystical destiny chose her. But she doesn't want her to die. Pulling her mom in for a hug, Buffy assures her that she's not going to die. Mm. Again. That she knows how to do her job. Besides, like her mom said, she has help now. She has all the help she can stand. So I really appreciate this mention of what happened to Buffy and Joyce's reaction to it. Because you guys know me. I often say we don't talk enough about this part of being a slayer, about how these girls have very short lifespans. And even then, we don't really think about their families. Nope. Most of these girls are taken away by their watchers. Their families probably never knowing what happens to them. Like, are they ever even told their child dies? Yeah, it's I always I always look at it also as like the way that like it happens, like with the Jedi. Yeah. Like you have this this destiny and you leave your family behind. And like we know we know that we know from Kendra, like she was raised by her watcher. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a very it's a very sad existence. It is. And I mean, we know some like I said, some slayers are are raised by their watchers or taken away by the council. But the ones who aren't, who maybe by the grace of like the powers stay by their family, they just disappear one night. Yep. They don't come home. And they don't they're not and they're not supposed to know. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. You know, we've talked about how in the beginning, Giles is completely against Buffy telling anybody because that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a secret identity. So, yeah, like 
they just disappear one day. Yeah, I mean, it's horrific. And it ties into what Joyce must have been feeling all summer long. And it's just the whole Slayer thing is just so deeply tragic when you look at it from these angles. Yep. I mean, I love it. I love it to pieces, but it's tragic. And again, we don't cover that enough in the show. Okay. Uh, Single White Female. It's a psychological erotic thriller film from 1992 starring Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Leigh. The basic premise is that Allie, the main character, advertises for a roommate following a breakup and Hetty answers. Hetty immediately becomes obsessed with Allie, inserting herself into every part of her life and slowly starting to take it over. It is a weird-ass movie it's, from it's, what I can remember. Yeah. It's I haven't seen it in a hot minute. There's something about twins and business deal blowjobs. And the the whole thing apparently has this undertone of survivor's guilt, which is interesting when you link it to this episode. Yeah. Because both Buffy and Faith are dealing with that. Yeah. Buffy with Angel and Faith, as we'll see later, with her watcher. Um, odd, odd fact about this movie. Um, this is one of the few movies that I have like a vivid memory of my mom going out with her friends to see. <laughs> Like my sister and I were home with our grandparents and my mom was going with like one of her two friends to see this. I also remember this movie like sufficient, like sufficiently creeped my mother out. Oh, yeah. Probably because it is so cuckoo birds nuts out. It is. Yeah, it is bananas. It is definitely a bananas. And yeah, the whole movie is about this woman basically taking like she gets her makes her like makes herself look exactly like her. Yeah, it's very weird. Very weird. I may have to go back and watch it, but I just remember it being a very strange movie. Yeah, I. you know what? I haven't seen it since I've been a, like, 40-year-old person. You know, (laughs) I think I may have watched it in my 20s. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, I think I watched it some part, sometime in college. Yeah, I haven't watched it with a... Adult mindset. Adult mindset, yeah. On patrol, Buffy and Faith loop back to check a straight. Faith not getting why... Funny thing about vampires, they'll sometimes hit places you already checked. They're kind of lacking manners that way. Well, Buffy would know she's been doing this the longest. Exactly. Maybe too long even? Buffy wants to know what the hell is that supposed to mean? Does Faith have a problem? Actually, no. She's kind of wondering what Buffy's problem is. Just because Buffy doesn't sleep in the nude and wrestle alligators? Well, maybe she should start because something in her needs on corking. Is it the angel thing? Buffy stops. What does she know about Angel? Just what her friends told her. Big love, big loss. She needs to deal and move on, but she's not. Faith has a great idea. How about Faith doesn't talk about Angel or anything in her life ever again? Faith wants to know what she's getting so strung up about. And Buffy wants to know why her mouth is still moving. (laughs) Is that a threat? Maybe. Does she think she can take her? Buffy's pretty sure she can. She just hopes the vampires moving quickly towards them can't. One of those vampires looks a lot like Danny Trejo. Like, that yeah. was all I could think about during, like, this fight scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a very Danny Trejo-looking looking vampire. Buffy tosses Faith to the side and goes on the attack, but it's three to two, and so the girls are struggling a bit. Faith does manage to get one on the ground, but as she's hitting him, something inside her goes off, her being a lot more brutal than she needs to be. Buffy yells at Faith to stake him already, but Faith doesn't hear the other two vamps grab Buffy, saying something about Kakistos and how by Kakistos they will die. Eventually, Buffy stakes the vamps holding her. I only see her stake one, but I guess we're supposed to assume she stakes both. Yeah, yeah. And goes to Faith, throwing her off and staking that vamp as well. What the hell is wrong with her? What? What's she talking about? Her living large on that vamp? Well, if violence to vampires upsets her, then maybe she should consider another job. <laughs> the job is staking vamps, not beating them to a bloody pulp while their friends try to kill her. Faith thought she could handle herself. I've said it before. Y'all know I'm going to say it again. I have a lot of thoughts on Buffy and Faith and how they royally screwed up this relationship. I understand why. I understand the parallels they were trying to draw, but still. And we're going to talk about it a little more later when the when the yes. truth of why Faith is in Sunnydale comes to light. But Buffy has also done this to vampires. Yep. Yeah. Responded to the tra- like to tra- trauma. She was did it with after she died and she did it yeah. when she was angry about Ted. And so, yeah, like not every slayer who gets brutal with vamps is going to have trauma. But I don't know. Maybe you should have asked some questions. Yeah, maybe the two of you should sit down and have an actual conversation because you figure out that you're both alike. Like Buffy should have recognized that there was something going on because yeah. she's had it herself. The next day, Buffy talks to Giles. Giles tries to explain that this simply may be a case of her and Faith having different temperaments. Yeah, and hers is the same one. Faith isn't playing with a full deck. She barely has any deck. She has a three. (laughs) 
Giles says it could just be that she got carried away. She seems dedicated to the slaying. Doesn't have a whole other life like Buffy does. No, she doesn't because she has Buffy's life. Giles asked if she isn't being a little and Buffy admits she's being a lot. (laughs) It's just Faith almost got them both killed. Whatever is going on, she needs help. Yes, good. Buffy, this is the line you should be following. Yes, yes. And I mean, she even recognizes that Faith is a little cuckoo. Yeah. Giles says he'll see if he can reach her watcher in England. They're eight hours ahead, which means right about now they should be sitting down to a nightcap. He wonders if they still kayak. He used to love a good kayak. Okay, wait, but now this implies he has been invited. Yeah, like it implies that he's been there before. So maybe like for some like for some reason this year he wasn't. Yeah, but like his comment about like it's an honor to be invited or so I've been told makes it seem like he's never gone. And now he's clearly been kayaking with that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery. I think think maybe other people have said that it's an honor. Maybe. Like he never really like he never really saw it as an honor because it was something that he always did. That's true. I don't know. There's there's so much there's so much going on. I mean, the Watchers Council is like a weird ass thing anyway. So who even knows? Nothing like like a bunch of maybe he went when he was at the Academy and he hasn't gone since being a Watcher. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because. Yeah. But again, like you said, since he's the active Slayers Watcher, he should be there. Yeah. Inconsistencies. Uh, so many. Buffy stares at him and he apologizes. He digressed. About the vampires who attack them. Anything that could trace their lineage, tattoos, a certain style of dress. Buffy says no. No tattoos, crappy dressers. But the one who almost bit her. He did mention kissing toast. <laughs> Does she mean kakistos? Buffy doesn't immediately hear Giles and wonders if maybe it was taquitos. What? Kakistos. Giles heads into the library and Buffy follows. Is that bad? Now I want taquitos. Right? It's Greek. It means the worst of the worst. Kakisto is a vampire so old that his hands and feet are cloven. Giles grabs a book and brings it over as Buffy points out that Kakisto has arrived in town just about the same time as her new little sister. She thinks they might be connected. Buffy says there are two things she doesn't believe in. Coincidences and leprechauns. Giles tells her that it is possible they both arrived here for circumstances completely unrelated. Okay. But she's right about the leprechauns, right? As far as he knows. Buffy tells him to get England on the phone. She'll go see Faith and see if khaki trousers, kakistos, kakistos rings any bells or alarms. Heading out of the library, Buffy runs into Scott in the hall. She tries to tell him she has somewhere else to be and he says he knows. He gets it. But this is his last ditch attempt because one more is going to qualify as stalking. He just, he likes her and he wants to get to know her better. Maybe over coffee or by taking in the Buster Keaton Film Festival. For a moment, Buffy starts to let her guard down, and she admits that she has not given Buster Keaton the chance he deserves. But she has liked what she's seen of him so far. Scott's enthused by this and says he got her something. The guy in the retro shop says it represented friendship, and that is something he'd very much like to have with her. Handing her the box, Buffy opens it to find a clotta. Oh no, Scott! You just gave oh, me baby. the worst gift. Oh, baby. And he oh, didn't even no. know. Yeah, I feel I feel so bad for him because he was he, he's like a little puppy here. Uh-huh. Freaking out, Buffy drops the ring as tears start to well in her eyes. She can't. She can't do this. Getting the message, Scott grabs the ring and goes as Giles approaches. He starts to comfort her, but she pulls away. Did he reach England? He did. And what did Faith Watchers say? Her watcher is dead. Faith's motel room. Buffy arrives as Faith and the manager are getting into it. $18 every day. Faith swears he'll get it tomorrow. Seeing Buffy, he says roommates are extra but Buffy assures him she's just visiting. He leaves and Buffy closes the door. Faith asking what brings her to the poor side of town. Clothing guy goes by the name of Kakistos. Faith looks absolutely stricken at the name. What does she know of Kakistos? She knows he's there in Sunnydale. Faith immediately starts packing. What did this guy do to her? It's more what she did to him. Okay, but why is he here? She can help her. Faith says she doesn't need Buffy's help. She can handle it. Really? And how is she handling it? By packing? Because right now it looks like Faith is dumping it all on her. Faith says Buffy doesn't know what she's been through. She'll take care of this. Like she took care of her watcher. <sighs> I, oh, I have things to say about this, but we're going to we're going to get a little bit farther down before I start talking about that. Yeah. Faith stops and Buffy continues. 
He killed her, didn't he? There isn't a word for what he did to her. Buffy tells her that if she runs, he runs after her. Yeah, which is why a head start is kind of important. A knock comes at the door and Faith looks through to see the manager. What now? She opens the door, but surprise! It's not the manager! (laughs) Nope. Well, Surprise! But he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. And being held up by Kakistos. Trick and some of the other vampires behind. Kakistos greets her with a faith he grabs faith but buffy comes to the rescue pulling her back and slamming the motel door it hasn't bought that much time but enough as kakisto starts to break down the door faith freaks out and buffy tells her to scream later escape now the girls head out the window and down an alley what happened what did he do faith says she was there she was there when he killed her watcher saw what he did to her what he was going to do to faith she tried to stop him but she couldn't so she ran Buffy reminds her the first rule of slaying is not to die. And in that, Faith did the right thing. Besides, there's one of him and two of them. Do the math. They can do this. They can take him. Faith shakes her head. No, no. It's when they see the bodies littered around. Seems the building they ducked into in this alley? It's Kakistos's lair. He drove them right there. Vampires begin attacking from all angles and Buffy and Faith go on the defensive. That is until Kakistos enters the fight. Seeing him, Faith is completely thrown off her game. Buffy reminds her not to die and throws her a crowbar. She continues fighting the vamps coming for her as Kakistos goes after Faith and it's not looking good. He's too much for her. The memories are too hard. So Buffy stakes the vamp she's fighting and goes to help. Seeing this, Trick mentions that this could end up with their master dead. Oh well, their prayers are with them. (laughs) (laughs) Taking the female vamp with him, he leaves. There's a reason these vengeance crusades went out of style. Modern vamps need to see the big picture. Buffy goes to stake Kakistos, and while the stake jams in, it does nothing. He laughs, telling her that it looks like she'll need a bigger stake, which is when Faith gets up, grabbing a broken beam, she drives it into Kakistos, and he explodes. As they watch him die... Buffy asks Faith if she's hungry. Starving. (laughs) Okay, so before we move on to Sunnydale High and the stock footage of the outside that is once again from Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Yes, yes. Let's talk about Buffy and Faith's conversation here and how it is criminal that they do not have Buffy tell Faith that she too saw her first watcher die. Yep. Once again, we are forgetting that Merrick exists. Yeah. And that she lost him to a vampire king. Yep. Like you could have gone into this whole thing about like how, yeah, this happened and it was horrible and she knows what Faith's going through, but they have to keep fighting for them to make sure that what happens to them never happens to anyone else. Because like Faith ran, Buffy had that moment after Merrick died where she was like, I give up. I'm not doing this. And I I understand that these parallels are here for a reason because they're giving Buffy and Faith a very similar background to show that Faith is what Buffy would be without her friends, without her family, without a watcher like Giles. But if you're going to draw these parallels and set them up, you need to acknowledge them. You need to go all the way. And I understand they're not going to acknowledge them because if you let Buffy and Faith bond over shit like that, it changes Faith's trajectory. Yep. But it's such a crucial element because they have this bond because they're both slayers and that ties them together. But the idea that they both went through this very similar situation also ties them together. And it just, no, we're never, never, ever going to talk about it. And it drives me insane. What what makes me, what makes me mad about, you know, because when, like when we have two slayers together. Yeah. That. We don't give them the opportunity to really sit down and Uh talk to each other because nobody else in the world understands. No. And what this what this show focuses too much on, especially like with Kendra and with Faith and Buffy, is the differences between them. Yeah. Instead of going into how alike they are. And again, like you said, Buffy could have gone down the same path if she didn't have the support system that she has in her life. And what, but one of the things I did like about this episode is that it did show another layer of faith that she really isn't just this brash girl who is all, like she did care about her watcher. Yeah, 
No, I, I, I do like this episode and I like, I don't know. I, I think I like, I like Faith at least as she is, as she is presented in this episode. Maybe we'll pinpoint the moment where Faith really started to bother me. Maybe she won't bother me on this rewatch. Yeah. I don't know. I think part of the reason Faith bothered me the first time or back in high school was like, like, yes, there were two slayers. We had Kendra. I think I didn't see the need for Faith to stick around. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, but now you've kind of disrupted this whole... Dynamic. Yeah, like, why couldn't she just pop in for three episodes and leave again? Yeah. And I I think that was one of my big things with Faith when I first watched it was just like, okay, now you've messed up everything. So I think watching it as an adult, I may have like a different... Yeah. response to faith especially yeah. now that we're going through and like analyzing every little bit of this <laughs> we'll, we're, we'll see we'll see what happens yeah yeah and i and like i do like i do like the shift that faith takes later yeah. on in the series like it is an interesting she is an interesting character to me which again based on electra yeah yeah and again like when when nadia came in yeah like yeah, nadia had that that same thing except she turned out to be a big <sighs> fuck Nadia. Nadia oh my god like she would she just she wasn't as compelling as faith she was not there was no there was no sympathy there were no with layers Nadia there were all. no layers there were no layers like faith no. does have layers yes yeah Anyway, Sunnydale High, where Giles tells Buffy and Willow that the council has approved his request. Faith will stay in Sunnydale and he'll look after the both of them until a new watcher can be assigned. Good. Faith really came through in the end. She had a lot to deal with, but she did it. She got it behind her. Giles says he's glad to hear it. That's when Buffy tells them. Tells them that Angel was cured at the end, that Willow's spell worked at the last minute. They were facing off and then something went through him and he was Angel again. He didn't remember anything, nothing of what he had done in the past months, but it was too late. The vortex was open and she had to close it. So she kissed him, told him she loved him and killed him. She doesn't know if that will help with Giles's spell, but Giles tells her he thinks it will as Willow tells Buffy she's sorry. It's okay. Telling them she'll see the two of them later, Buffy leaves. As Giles heads to his office, Willow stands. She knows Giles doesn't like her playing with magic, but she can help. She wants to help. Giles tells her there was no spell. Giles, you sneaky son of a bitch. Oh, you, you sneaky bastard. You knew exactly. But sneaky. You knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah, he knew Buffy was hesitant to open up and confront the reality of what happened. And she was never going to do it without, like, Willow needed the little nudge to go across the street. Yep. Buffy needed the nudge to confront the reality of what had happened. Exactly. And it had to be in this way. Yeah. Outside of Scott's classroom, Buffy waits. As he comes out, she says hi and tells him she was waiting for him. She was? Why? Well, there was someone a while ago. And the ring, it confused her. But she likes what he said about friendship and coffee and Buster Keaton. Big fun. And she can be big fun. She just, (laughs) if she knew she was going to go on this long, she would have brought water. Point is, she'd still really like to go to the film festival. Provided he wants to. He tells her he doesn't know. He needs to think about it. (laughs) Okay, he thought about it. And he's in. When does she want to go? She tells him there's just one thing she needs to do tonight. And then she's free. That one thing happens to be stopping by the mansion. Now deserted once more. Akatha is gone and Buffy wanders inside looking around for a moment before placing her ring down on the carpet and saying goodbye. She is finally ready to let the past let Angel go. Well, <laughs> leaving it, she walks off. Minutes or maybe hours, who knows? Time has no meaning. Later, the ring begins to vibrate. And then with a blinding flash of light, Angel is back naked and shivering on the floor of the mansion. The End. The past is not done with you, Buffy. No, and I remember like this was a huge yes, deal back yes, in the day. It was. And everyone was like so excited because Angel was back. But now as an adult, I'm not really a fan of it. No, I think it was cheap. Yeah, and it's, yeah, exactly. It's not even because of my vendetta against Angel. It's just, <laughs> here is Buffy ready to move on. Exactly. And then Angel's back. And I know. I know it happens like that in every TV show, every movie, every book series, whatever, but I don't like it. I know it's, it's a trope that, and especially because it, it's always the, it, it's always falls on the, the girl. Yes. You know, she, she's done, she's ready to, and then something happens, you know? So yeah, yeah, it, it, and it also, it cheapens the sacrifice. It does. Like, it just, it undoes that whole moment where she's like, I've confronted this. I'm ready to move on. And then, no, no, Angel's no, back. They're no, going to get involved again. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it would have been a better impact if they had brought Angel back because you want to bring Angel back because you want to get to Angel the series. Yeah. And Buffy had remained in her, I'm not getting involved again. Yeah. If you hadn't had them get romantically involved again in the third season, I think it would have been a a bigger impact because you know what? She has moved on and we can work together. But what we had is in the past and I have moved on. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would it would have been it would have been better because, again, it's just it. She said goodbye. Yeah. She finally took that step and said goodbye. She accepted what happened to angels. She accepted what she had to do to him and and she's ready to move on. Yeah, I'm going to blame David Greenwald. I'm sure it was a joint decision, but I'm just I'm going to blame him. Yeah, yeah. We're we're going to blame our old pal, Dave. <sighs> yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season 3, episode 4, Beauty and the Beasts. Until then, check out our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.